Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I want to begin today's broadcast out of Revelation chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 13. Revelation 9, 13, and we read, The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, meaning 200 million. And I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads 
and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. So walking this back just a little bit, again, Revelation 9.13, you're having a sixth angel event uh, that is blowing a trumpet. And this is what the, the kind of the, when I hear people talking about World War III, uh, my mind and my heart immediately go to this particular passage because here you have a 200 million man army. Uh, you have horses or something that someone rides upon. And of course, John on the island of Patmos is having an open vision of what this looks like and fire coming out of the mouth and stinging with their tails and uh, the, the breastplates and the jacinth and all this symbology wrapped up into what some people have said, this is a massive airstrike. This is uh, World War III. This is 200 million man army marching, battling with someone around the world. And so we have conflict. And the thing is, is that we're talking about a third of the men of planet Earth being killed. And of course, we're about 8 billion people right now. And um, we don't know the exact number, but we're nearing that 8 billion mark, so they say. And regardless, if you really boil it down uh, between the book of Revelation chapter 6 all the way to chapter 10 here, you have a population reduction on the planet of half. Uh, when you go back to the, the, the fourth seal, for example, and a fourth of the men of the earth are killed. Um, so a fourth would be, you know, two billion. And then another third of the remaining uh, six billion would be another two billion. So you're talking about a four billion uh, re uh, people reduction on the planet. And I know that sounds absurd. That sounds impossible. Uh, but the Bible is true, and God has written his word for a reason, and he will put the thought of his heart into someone else to fulfill his word. And so we talked the other day about the, the, the sword of the Lord that is a sharpened sword, and it is furbished and polished, and how God puts the sword, his own sword, into the hand of a slayer. Well, I think everybody today, and, and we have resisted, uh, quite frankly, jumping on the bandwagon of war, you know, because Russia, Maga, Gog, you know, you know, all these thoughts immediately rise in every direction. But we've seen these things before, wars and rumors of wars. Jesus told us when these things happen, don't let your heart be troubled. So we're maintaining our undisturbed peace with God, walking with God, uh, getting ourselves prepared, working out our salvation with fear and trembling appreciating and valuing the grace of God uh, that is at work in our hearts, sanctifying us, making us ready to meet the Lord, repenting of all of sin in our lives, all of our sins, confessing them, knowing that God will not only forgive us, but cleanse us from all uh, unrighteousness within. And the reason why we do that is because we expect that one day, at any moment, we will be standing before the Lord and giving an account for our lives, what we did with our salvation. And so 
uh, we must be diligent as believers in every generation throughout the church age, particularly our own with all this end time Bible prophecy being fulfilled around and about us to make sure that we are washed, to make sure that we are clean, to make sure that we are sanctified, to make sure that we have a conscience void of offense toward God or men. We must really be about our Father's business and becoming vessels meet for the Master's use, prepared unto every good work. How do you become a vessel meet for the Master's use and prepared unto every good work? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, 21 talks about, If a man will therefore purge himself of the lower qualities of his debased human nature, then he will become that vessel. And so we are called to work out our salvation, to employ and to apply the finished work of Jesus Christ in every area of our life that is not consistent with what it means to be born again. And Everybody that has read their Bible understands when you're born again, you're talking about becoming a brand new creation, a brand new nature, a brand new person on the inside that needs to grow up and mature, no doubt, but that nature on the inside, that new nature that we have received is a totally different nature than the Adamic human nature. We have now received the nature from the second man from heaven, Jesus Christ. When Jesus, Yahshua, came into this earth, he came as the first of a new creation species. And if we forget that, if we don't allow that to work in our thinking, we're really going to get lost in translation, quite frankly. But if we understand that when Yeshua came to this earth out of the virgin womb of a woman named Mary, that he came as a new natured man, a first of his kind, uh, a, a divine natured man, And so here was this first of a new species, a new kind of man, a divine-natured man growing up in Israel around the human-natured man, Adam, regardless of being a Sadducee, a Pharisee, a religious person. All of that could not cover the reality of that human nature, that fallen human nature. You could put anything on it you want. You could cover it with you know, skins of animals, you could cover it with fig leaves, you could cover it with religion, money, power, success, anything you want. But in reality, that human nature is what has infected the entire human race. So we, Jesus is born into a world of fallen human beings. Some of them were very religious, some were the Roman Caesars of the time. And regardless, the nature of the Caesar was no different than the nature of the highest-ranking Sadducee in the economy of Israel. They may have different outward appearances and ideas and philosophies, but the bottom line is their nature was corrupted. So Yeshua comes into the earth without an uncorrupted nature, and he grows up, and then he moves, and he walks amongst this fallen human nature, this man that has been corrupted and depraved and defiled, and here he is as a life-giving spirit imparting life. And every time someone came to him and received the Holy Spirit through their faith in Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit brought into them a seed, an incorruptible seed. And that seed is Christ, and the Word of God is like another seed, But when that seed was planted in the good soil of our hearts, that was the seed which we know in Galatians 3 to be Christ is the seed. 
And because Christ is the seed, when you plant that seed, not a tomato seed, but a Christ seed, when Christ is planted, that seed must reproduce after its kind. It must reproduce after its kind. It's impossible that you put a tomato seed in the ground and it grows apples. It just isn't going to happen. It's impossible that you put Christ, the seed, in the good soil of your heart and it doesn't produce the nature of Christ. And so if we're truly born again, we have this reality going on in us. And that's another whole story and where we want to go today. But just remember that is a reality that is taking place in your life since the day that Christ was sown in your heart and out of the good soil of your heart, you're producing some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold of the fruitfulness of that divine nature, reality, the becoming of that divine nature. And we know that the divine attributes of that divine nature are love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, patience, self-control. It's what we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And so when love begins to take root in our life and begins to manifest forth through our actions, well, now we are seeing that seed become a reality, that divine nature and joy springs up in us, not dependent upon our outward condition, but when joy rises up within, organically within our new nature, well, we know now that the seed has taken root and it is now producing what it is. In that seed of Christ, the entirety of the, of the full nature of God himself is contained. Imagine that. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, was the express image of the Father. That's why Yeshua said to Thomas and to Philip, hey, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Well, because they were around him, and there he was manifesting, effulgencing, outraying, putting on display the glory of that divine nature that was within him all around them, okay? So what is most amazing, however, is not only that Yeshua was the first and only begotten son of the Father, possessing the express image of the Father, the exact image of the Father, but now we're told in Scripture that you and I, who are born again and have received our atonement, the forgiveness of our sins, the, the, the cleansing through the blood of Jesus, the genuine grace of God that does a work in us that the law can never do, nor could any philosophy or any other thing. It's the grace of God that is at work in us, changing us, transforming us. And we're told that that image, Christ, that we are being conformed into his image. So if Jesus Christ, Yeshua, is the express image of the Father, and then you and I who are born again are being conformed into his image, that means that you and I are being conformed into the express image of the Father as well. Now that is how God originally intended things to be in the garden when he formed a man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed life into him and he said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our likeness. So in the image and likeness of God, man was created. But because of sin, that formed man was deformed. He became something other than what was intended. So God began to deform the fallen after he made him some from animals and put some clothing on his nakedness. And he was afraid and he became everything other than what he was supposed to be. 
So God began to take this man that he formed that sinned and became deformed. So he began to inform that man that God was going to work throughout the eons and epochs and dispensations of time to bring about a restoration to the form. And so he began to transform him. After he informed him, he began the work of transformation. Uh, He began the work of getting things worked out until finally, okay, you come to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, where the Apostle Paul cries out, O little children in whom I travail again until Christ be formed in you. Hallelujah. Our life has nothing to do with the external physical realm in the first place. The true, genuine life of a born-again spirit, man or woman who has been born, is what is happening on the inside. What the Apostle Paul was laboring in was not so much their outward works, their outward life. He was concentrating on the inward life of the believers in Galatia, and I'm sure in other, all the other churches that he ministered to, but his labor was to bring that form until Christ be formed in you, in you. Christ formed in you. God created a man in the Garden of Eden. He formed him. It says in Genesis 2-7, God formed a man. He sinned, he became deformed. God began to inform the man that he was going to transform the man, and he was going to transform him by the renewing of his mind, and he was going to conform the man into a form. And again, that form was the original intent, Christ, the nature of God, the express image of God. So why are we saying all this? Because it's absolutely wonderful to talk about it, quite frankly. In the midst of war or the threat of war, in the midst of uh, the things we're going to be talking about today, it's important that we remember that God is doing a work in the midst of all the trouble that's going on in this world. Don't you ever forget that. Your life is not here. You're aware. God is aware. He gave us a mind to be aware. He told us to be aware. He said, be sober. He gave us all the instruction. Don't ignore the signs of the Be aware. Understand what you're looking at. Look through the biblical, the signs of the times. Come up with an accurate interpretation. But in all of that, don't forget that the real work, the real journey of your eternal existence, because you've been born again and have received the gift of life, eternal of God, now dealing with us. So don't forget that is at work. Don't forget to confessing your sin. Don't forget if you fall, if you sin, to confess it. Repent of it. Don't forget to employ and apply the grace of God to areas of your life that have been broken down or have been bruised or damaged or uh, twisted in some way. The grace of God can fix it. The law couldn't fix anything concerning human nature. All it could do is kind of put a, a, a covering over it, but it couldn't fix it. The grace of God is at work in your life, restoring, being salvaged, making whole every area that damaged through Adamic sin and our own sin, generational bloodline curses. So don't forget that. Don't forget that. And we will not be negligent to remind each of us as often as we need to. Yes, what's happening is here. There's some reality to it. And we got to get the biblical reality because everything else is smoke and mirrors. But greater reality is the eternal destination that you and I who are born are going to. 
And that destination is not a geographical place. Eternal destination is what is written in Romans chapter 8, that we have been predestinated to be conformed into the image. You could read that in Romans chapter 8, right around verse 28, 29, and 30. So the predestinated reality to all who are born again, the destination that has been pre is to be conformed to the image. Jesus Christ is the image, the express image, the exact image of the Father. That work is going on inside as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, as we go to the Holy Spirit, as up our cross, we self, we get our minds clean, we get our eyes clean, we have our ears open and sanctified. Everything to become inward. And this is where the relationship, this is where the fellowship of the Spirit, this is what John was talking about in the first epistle of John. Truly our fellowship is with God. And he was saying that there's a joyful reality of inward fellowship in the Spirit with the Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and was calling all believers to come into this fellowship. But it wasn't just out here. It's when you do get together out here, but the spirit of God, what's going on from within is being communicated, and God is in the center of that. So anyways, I just wanted you to know that there's a lot more going on than what we're just going to be talking about here for a moment. And the, the prime cut of this moment is what's going on in you. Don't ever forget that. Now, is the devil trying to take you out? Is the devil trying to make you believe that none of this is true? Well, I believe the Bible. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. You're born again. You're a new creation. If any man or woman be in Christ Jesus, he, she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Have you worked that out yet? Have you and I worked out that the old things are gone away and all things are become new in our lives? Well, if that hasn't been a reality, then you keep working it out until it is. That means old things have passed away, old thoughts, old memories, old sins, old ideas, old this, old that, what we used to be. None of that matters anymore. None of that matters anymore. The only thing that matters is right here, right now, and where we're going, not geographically, but inward in the transformation that only the Spirit of God can perform through the grace of God in our lives. And so that ought to give us a reason to live. And we know that, that that transformation isn't always so easy because dying to self is not always easy. But when we consider what we're dying to, they're really base and ugly and of a low ebb, if you will. Uh, some people would call it a low vibration. Human nature in its highest form is low compared to a little tiny bit of the glory of God. Amen. So God wants to take you and I to the highest heights. God is getting ready to resurrect the dead all over the world that believe in Jesus Christ. God is ready to send his son back to this earth to gather together his elect. God is telling us that this is an amazing time. It's the greatest moment of transition that the world has ever known before. I mean, really, when Jesus first came to this earth, it was to be a suffering servant, a lamb laying his life down for the sins of the whole world. He's not coming back that way. So, we are coming to the brink of a river, and we're about to go through something in this transition 
from here to here. We are coming out of 2,000 years of the church age, 2,000 years of the kingdom age, 2,000 years of knowing revivals and, and restorations and, and movements and changes and reformations and all these different things going. Coming to the end of this age of knowing the kingdom in the measure that we do, knowing the grace of God in the measure that we do, knowing uh, about the ecclesia and, and the knowledge and the information and everything that's been sown into us. We're coming to the end of all of that. It's kind of coming to an end. There's, it's like coming 40 years. If you lived in the wilderness, the Jews, you're coming out of the you're at a river, and the other side is your death for the children of Israel, the promised land. But they had to come to the end of something, they had to go through something, and they had to arrive into something. And you and I are coming to the end of everything we've ever known. And it's going to require a transformation of our thinking. We have to now shift from everything we've been doing to an understanding of what is right now and what we have to go through to get to where God is bringing us. What do we have to go through? Well, the Bible teaches us it is the greatest tribulation to have ever hit the face of the earth. That's right. Our generation and all the signs of the times shout to us, telling us, you are the generation that is coming out of 2,000 years of church age, kingdom age, all these things, salvation, the day of salvation, and you're getting ready to go under. You're getting ready to go through. There's a great tribulation known as the wrath dragon. He's coming to make war with everything that belongs to God. And he who endures to the end is going to be saved on the other side. When we go through to the other side, well, that's when the king is coming. We believe that Jesus Christ is actually going to return immediately after the tribulation because Matthew 24, 29 says he will. So we don't want to die in translation or in transition. You know, when a baby is transitioning and it's ready to be birthed and it's got to go through the birthing canal, you have a stewardship ministry there to make sure that it is a safe transition. Some women have died in giving birth. Babies have died in birth. Things happen. Things get aborted. Things cut short. Miscarriages, whatever, where it never is complete. So God is going to raise up in these days a stewardship ministry to steward the transition of his kids that are working out their salvation, undergoing whatever they go. He's brought up to this moment, and we're getting ready. We're gathering like Joshua and the children of Israel after 40 years at the river's edge. Gather together your victuals. And what are we doing? We're leaving the age of the second-day church, 2,000 years. 1,000 years is a day. One day is 1,000 years. Two millennial days are coming to an end. The third day, we're crossing, going through to get into. The third day is the day of resurrection power. The first event to happen when Yeshua returns is the dead shall rise first. The third day is all about the resurrection of the dead. We are literally transitioning into the third day. But I didn't come out today to talk to you about all this. We'll save this for another time, although it is quite joyful. I love it. Can you imagine we are transitioning out of a second-day mentality into a third-day mentality? And a lot of people don't understand what the third day is. And yet if you read your Bible from Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, all the way to 13, you'll see that on the third day of creation, 
And from that moment, there's a pattern all the way to the book of Revelation that gives us an understanding of the territory that we're going into in the third day. And it's absolutely miraculous. On the third day, Queen Esther put on her royal robes. That's, she's a type and shadow of the ecclesia, the church, the bride of Christ. And her bridegroom is given her clothes to wear. It's called righteousness. He's telling us to put on his righteousness. So when Esther put on her royal robes, she wasn't putting on her old slave clothes. She was putting on the clothes that her king, her husband, gave her. And Jesus, our husband, has given us clothes to put on, his righteousness, not our own. And on the third day, she went and she stood before the king. My God. She went in. She could have been banished and killed for going in without being invited to the king's throne room. Well, there she is standing before the king, and he sees her, and she finds favor. And so he extends his golden scepter, says, what do you want? It's yours up to half the kingdom. This is a third-day pattern for what we're moving into. The throne, the, the scepter of the throne, is going to be extended to us, and it already has been. And we're to reach forward and take that scepter, which is the authority of the king of his kingdom, and we're to begin to rule and reign in the midst of our enemies. I mean, there's so much that God wants to say to the church to encourage them and inspire them about spiritual truths and, and to get them thinking beyond just the idea, well, Jesus is going to return one day. Now, you got to understand what time it is, what pattern of scripture is being revealed to our generation, and it is an amazing pattern, folks. It is an amazing time to be alive, and we don't want to fail in our transition. We are on, the whole world is transitioning. Have you noticed? And that's the word, transition. We got men transitioning to women, women transitioning to men. We've got nations transitioning. We have kingdoms transitioning. <clears throat> Transitions happening everywhere over the world. They're transitioning from 4G to 5G, and they're going to go immediately to 6G. They're transitioning from 2.0 internet to 3.0 internet. And all these transitions are taking things higher in their economy. And so everything, wouldn't God be transitioning in the church? All right. Now, having said that, we have a lot to talk about and um, kind of a little bit of time to do it. And I was thinking of where to begin here today. And there are two visions with um, part cast today. And again, I will apologize up front uh, if you have heard several times. Uh, I feel very to share them again this morning in light of what's going on. And um, and I'll I'll but again some articles here in just a little bit. But on January fifth. Okay, I'm going to give you the very date of this, and I don't have to read notes here because I've lived it. I experienced it, okay? On January 2004, I was living in San Diego, California with my beloved wife and family, and we were in Rancho Bernardo in San Diego. And on that day, January 5th, Patricia was taking care of something and uh, cleaning things out, and she sent me off because it was my birthday. It was my birthday. I don't forget it, January 2004. 
And one of my favorite things to do in those days, and we were considering moving out of San Diego a little north to Temecula. So on that day, uh, she sent me off because they were planning a dinner and some other fun stuff that I was going to be doing that day. And so I got in my car, and I'm driving north on Interstate 15 out of San Diego. And I am at pure peace. I remember I had my hand on the wheel. I had one hand straight up, and I was worshiping God, just enjoying the day. I was on the way to go look at a model home. They had all these new homes being built, and I, we love Patricia and I. She loves, she's an artist and a designer. She loves all that. So we had been looking at these different places. So we love going to these, these uh, model homes and looking at them and saying, gee, if we ever were to move, what would be a good thing to do? And so there were these new developments in Temecula. So I drove out there that day, and as I'm driving, and it's only about 40 minutes from San Diego to where I was going, and uh, at peace, I can't tell you, the mind was at peace. It's your birthday. You're feeling good. You're coming. Uh, It was very joyful. As I was driving, all of a sudden, eyes wide open on the road, I saw a mushroom cloud. And then I saw another mushroom cloud. And then I saw another mushroom cloud, and I was seeing mushroom clouds in the shook me. I rebuked that I rebuked that Jesus Christ. Get mind, don't disrupt my peace. I'm at peace, and I'm watching mushroom clouds. Now I'm sitting straight up, both hands on the wheel, and the Holy Spirit began to dialogue with me. And he began to say things to me. I wound up writing them down later, and I spoke about these things many years ago. And he said to me that in the mind of terrorism, whatever terrorism is, the Khazarian mind, whether it's the Islamic, I, whoever, whatever, he said their plan, seven to 15 nuclear or dirty bombs in seven to 15 major cities on the same day in the United States of America. I mean, I heard that as crystal clear. I saw the mushroom clouds. I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, this is where they want to go. And I saw that. And I thought, wow, if they ever detonated seven to 15 nuclear weapons in seven to 15 major cities across the United States on the same day, within the same hour, what would that do to our nation? What would that do? You saw what happened in Boston with a crockpot bomb at a race, right? I mean, they shut down the city. Everybody was in their home. What would happen with 15? We're now, and I'm going to get into this article. Uh, let me just say this. A little bit more of the article I was reading yesterday about that. Uh, the Rothschild Kazarian Mafia also gained some S-19 and S-20 warheads from a corrupt member of Congress assigned the task to buy up Ukrainian MIRVs, the United States government, in order to decommission them. Instead, he sold them to the Israelis and split the money, the other key congressmen involved. This is high treason and a capital offense punishable by execution. Right after their attack on America, the Rothschild Kazarian Mafia told the U.S. administration that they detonate city-sized nukes 
in some American cities, including D.C., if the administration refused to allow to create their own large police state occupation force inside America, based on the consolidation of all American law enforcement and alphabets under one central Israeli control. So in that part of the article, which this is the first time this morning I read this part, I've been reading it along with you yesterday. Well, God telling me, reminding me about the the several nukes, I met with Jack Hafer, who was the, the father of the church in Van Nuys, California. I remember telling him about the vision that I just shared with you. I was in his home seeing other pastors. Mills, prophets over my life, said, we're going to be doing noise, and walked away from me. Daniel something, uh, you know, about in, in those who know their God will do exploits. So Dick Mills prophesied over me. I'm with Jack Hayford in his living room with pastors, and I went to a class, and I remember him then about this vision of now I'm reading this, and I'm seeing that they have these so-called MERVs or suitcase nuclear weapons. We've heard a lot about that, but they've threatened the United States with these nuclear weapons. Well, there's a reason I'm telling you this. The next vision I want to share with you, and again, this one has been heard before, and this was just a vision. I don't know if it's a dream. I don't remember where I was, to tell you the truth. It was 31 years ago. I remember sharing what I'm about to share with you on a radio station in Zarephath, New Jersey. Patricia and I just married, and in the month of January, in February, or somewhere there, took off going back to hometown of Jersey City, where I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. She was from Chicago. Now we're married. We were married in October, but now it's January. We're taking our honeymoon to Jersey. Wow. But we cross country, and we had an amazing time. Amazing things happened. And we showed up in Jersey City. And while we were there, I shared this vision dream that I had on a radio station. And here's what happened to me. I was taken up, my body, in my body, I don't know, but I was taken up in massive speed into space. I mean, I was floating when I got there in dark space. And I'm just floating around. I began to see the lights of the celestial bodies. And I got positioned and as I'm up there in space, suspended, floating, transitioning my, my, my posture, all of a sudden I saw planet Earth. And I remember looking at it, and I began to descend. And as I'm descending, I can make out the continents. I could see Europe. I could see North American continent. And as I kept going down, I could see the tail of Florida. And I noticed as I was going down towards the American continent that it was dark. It was dark. There were little lights, one over here, one over here, one over here, very spaced apart from another. They were very spaced. And I remember seeing the tail of Florida, and I'm coming in, and it's a dark North American continent. This is over 30 years ago. This is about 31 years ago. <clears throat> I landed in what I believe 
was somewhere around Boston, Massachusetts. And I don't know how I know that. It just kind of, I heard when I landed, uh, the atmosphere, the color of it was like a charcoal gray. It was very gray, kind of cold. And the atmosphere that I kind of wound up putting my thought to was as, and I've said this before, as though Russia had taken over the United States of America. That was the feeling. There was fear. It was dark. It was, it was gray, charcoal gray. And then I heard somebody walking in around the midnight time, like a London fog and the echoing steps. I could hear someone stepping on what appeared to be cobblestone roads. And I think that's why I think it was somewhere around Boston, because they still have those cobblestone type roads there. And as I was listening in the, in the spirit, I got followed this and this person walked to a door where a light was on. And he's outside. He's knocking at the door. And I'm watching the door open, and I'm seeing this man open the door, and his body filled the frame, and he had x-ray vision. I mean, he was looking at this person right through him. And immediately he was discerning this person is afraid, He's been playing games with God. He wants his flesh to rest because he's afraid. He wants a place to hide and a place to go. And then, as he's discerning this, I go in the spirit into the house, and I come into the living room. In the living room of this home, there are about seven or eight people. One person is laid out on a couch. The lights are on. It's beautiful. There's music that is more beautiful than anything I've ever heard on this planet, soothing, gorgeous music. Like there was no disruption in the sound. There was a golden flask of oil. The lid of that golden flask of oil was off. These people were laying hands on that person on the couch, praying for healing. And the supernatural, miracle, miraculous power of God was there. The presence of God was in that home. The man of God who opened the door to that individual would not allow him to come into the house. He knew by the Spirit, and this is what I was downloading. I'm knowing this in the Spirit. He knew if I let that person come through this door into this living room, into this house, he's going to grieve the Spirit, and he's going to quench the Spirit. And so the man of God would not let him pass through the door into the home and shut the door. I saw that man try to run to another house that had a light on. And the vision ended. I did not know 31 years ago about anything called an electromagnetic pulse. I did not know about a cronial mass ejection from the sun that could wipe out the grid of the whole world. If God wanted to, he rules the sun as well. I didn't know about the lights out scenario, what an electromagnetic pulse would do to the electrical grid and shut down and have the whole continent go dark. I didn't know any of that. I just know that 31 years ago, I had this experience. I know that on January 5th, 2004, I saw mushroom clouds detonating all over this country. And the Spirit of God said, this is where they're going. They've had to wait and be patient, and I'll tell you why, I believe. Before these nuclear weapons are detonated, 
which I do believe are going to happen, and they could happen any time, right? It's been a, a while. You're talking, what, 18 years ago, having this particular vision? The corruption in this nation needed to get more and more corrupt. And we have watched, and I remember in 2003, a year earlier, I'm going to share one more thing with you, and I could write a book about these things, but one more thing that I think is important. In 2003, uh, in, in those early years, I used to do a lot of walking. I would walk through parks. We had a favorite area that we would, I would walk through across this open field, and you would climb this mountain, and I'll, I'll remain, it was, it was uh, Mount Carmel or whatever it was called. Um, I'll remember the name of it, Black Mountain. It was called Black Mountain. And so from our home, we would cross the street, go through an open field. I would take my dog with me for the walk, and I had a shofar. <clears throat> and I used to climb that mountain, and I'd get to the top of that mountain, and it was quite a hike. And you could see all of San Diego from up there, including the ocean. <clears throat> and while I was up there, I would blow the shofar, and I would begin to prophesy, and I would begin to cry out to God. You know how that is. Well, in February of 2003, I believe that was the right time, I was dropping my daughter Danielle off at school, and so I had my shofar in the car, and I stopped at a park, and the name of the park was, um, it was by Lake Hodges, so the Lake Hodges Park, and I got out of my car, and I started walking, and it's a huge, beautiful park, by the way, and I began to, to prophesy and to pray in the Spirit. I'm just walking and blowing the shofar here and there and just enjoying. You know, it's not a big deal. Just enjoying. And God spoke to me in my spirit, and he said to me, do not pray for this nation any longer. Whoa, that came into my mind so clear, like a spear out of nowhere just penetrated my mind. Do not pray for this nation any longer. I will not hear your prayers. America has crossed the point of no return. That's what he told me. Don't pray for this nation. Rather, pray for the saints of God in this nation that they will have the ability to navigate through the storm that is coming upon this nation. Wow. Well, I've by that time, if you hear something, you better back it up in the Word of God. So I went and I studied the Word of God, and I was brought to chap, uh, chapters like um, Jeremiah, and I, I hope I could find it here real quick without getting into any delay. But in Jeremiah, three times God tells Jeremiah, do not, here it is, here it is, Jeremiah eleven fourteen. therefore, Pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. All right, so God, and he says it another time. I, it, it's back here, and it, it just goes on where God's telling his prophet Jeremiah, don't pray for them. But when God said America had crossed the point of no return, and I was no longer allowed by the Spirit of God to pray for America, I was meeting all these intercessors. The one guy that used to do this, wonderful man of God, Lou Ingalls. I met him, shook his hand, walked with him. They were having an intercessory prayer meeting in San Diego. But I could not pray for America. And so I obeyed God, little old speck of dust me, 
I obeyed God and I never prayed for this country. I didn't win friends and influence people. I didn't reject people who did pray for it. They kind of rejected me for not praying for it. But I just did what God said to do. I didn't pray. And I was watching for now, when I heard that, you're talking 20 or 19 years ago, 19 years ago, waiting to see if America would ever come back to her moral condition. When God said America crossed the point of no return, he meant it. And it was immediately after that that the Ten Commandments were taken out of the halls of justice in Alabama. Remember, they had ruled that the Ten Commandments are no longer to be allowed in the halls of justice in Alabama. And the guy went to jail, eventually trying to defend his right to have the Ten Commandments. So that began the journey of America crossing a point of no return. And I've been watching now for 19 years. And rather than America ever coming back to its moral condition, America went forward and did more abominable things than they had ever done before. Not only were they slaughtering the most innocent life to bloodletting or shedding innocent blood, which is an abomination to God through abortion. But now, 2015, now we have men marrying men, women marrying women. We saw all these laws begin to change that were once protecting society from evil. Now, evil laws are protecting evil, and our society is becoming concocted. You know what's happening in our world today. So I've been watching, never prayed for this country, knowing that a day would come when trouble's going to hit this nation like nobody's ever dreamed. And God's saying, don't pray for the country. Don't pray for this nation. Pray for the saints. They're going to walk through this time. So I want to share some things that I wrote in years gone by. Um, One of the ministries, my pastor, before he died, told me that I had a gift of writing, that I I would write. And sure enough, I began to write, and I have written over over 2,000 pages of prophecy that I actually sent to the ends of the earth. And at a time in our ministry, we were getting over 1 million hits a month uh, while we were doing this, and they were accurate. Um, And I don't want to go into the whole story about things, but this writing ministry, and these are just some things that we wrote. I'm sure they weren't perfect. I was young, you know, flesh and spirit kind of intermix at the same time at times, and share this. And I just felt led today to put things up, and I, I'm just reading them right now. I have drawn my line deeper in the sand, <clears throat> and I have separated a people unto myself who love me with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have separated a people into the light of my glory, and oh, how great their rewards shall be. You will say to me, I am so glad that I obeyed you, Lord. I am so overjoyed that I did not give up or give in, but stayed the course until the end and ran my race according to the rules. For I have now finished my race and my reward is laid up for me. I am so glad, Lord, that I did not sell out for the Babylonian garment and the wedge of gold. I am so glad that I did not receive the gospel of gain as the gospel of truth. I am so glad that I was willing to give all away to embrace all of you. And why will you say these things? Because you shall walk in the covenantal blessing of your father Abraham. 
and everything you have done or ever will do will always work to your favor. You will say indeed that all things have most certainly worked together for my good. Yes, you love me and I love you. And I'm going to reward you with plenty in the time of little. I will satisfy you in drought and cause your vats to overflow, even in the midst of loss and destruction. I will cause you to prosper in the prosperity of your father Abraham, and you shall be full on every side, and no lack will come near you whatsoever, for you will know what it means to be content in all things. To be content in all things means that whatever your situation is, you are full. For contentment is fullness, and your fullness depends not upon your circumstances, but me. Oh, yes, you shall shout for joy from the rooftops of the earth, and you shall walk in your kingship anointing, and your words shall never fall to the ground. You did not fear when you heard the Lord was coming out of his chamber to judge the earth. You did not fear when you heard the nations were about to collapse. You did not fear when you heard famine will strike the earth. You did not fear when you heard terrorist attacks would strike all over the world. You did not fear when you heard that devastation and ruin were coming to America. You did not fear when you heard the economy in America was going to collapse. No. You did not fear because your eyes were on me, and you knew that my justice must be served upon a nation who has turned its back on me and legalized the abomination that causes desolation. But now hear my words, and hear them clear, says the Lord. Do not ignore what I am about to say, and do not turn a deaf ear to me. Hear my heart. My people have known me as mercy grace, truth, and love. They have known me as a forgiving and compassionate and full of tender mercy, yet now I will show you my heart in a fuller way. I am displeased with America and the nations of the earth that have fallen to the powers of darkness. I am grieved in my heart and I am full and ready to overflow the nations of the earth with my justice. America, the day you legalized the first murder of innocent blood, I began to withdraw from you. I saw devils stand before the womb of women, take the clasps, and reach within the womb and take hold of the fetus, the life of a child. I saw you pull the child out of the womb, leaving only the head in the womb for your legal purposes. I saw you take your long-handled scissors and thrust them within the womb into the back of the baby's head. I saw you puncture the head of the child, then stick your vacuum into the hole. I saw you suck the brains out of the child, causing the skull to collapse. I saw you then pull the rest of the murdered child out of the womb and discard it in an abominable way. I saw. I saw. And my heart was grieved. I saw you legalize. And at this time of the writing, over 50 million murders in the name of your law. 
I saw every child that you murdered, and I wept. For many years, the blood of these innocent have cried out for mercy upon their murderers. But now their cry has changed. No longer do the innocent cry out for mercy, but justice. America, I saw when you legalized the abomination that causes desolation. I saw when you passed your laws that were contrary to mine, and I continued to withdraw myself from you. I gave you over to your ways and to your lewdness. I gave you over to your abominations. I saw you legalize every wicked thing, and I've heard your jesters and mockers sit in the seat of the proud and wicked, laughing at the injustices and railing upon those who care. I see you are filthy. You are altogether polluted and diluted, so much so that you know not that I have already turned you over to fables and fairy tales and have caused you to believe I. Your dreamers and leaders will once again stand amazed at the judgment your nation will be struck with. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers with her in her sins. My people will stand afar off and see the justice of my heart revealed from heaven in a demonstration of wrath and indignation. My true ones will rest in the vengeance I bring upon the nation, for they know that justice must be served. My righteous ones shall watch and see the wrath that I will pour out, but not a tear shall fall from their eyes except for the relief that my justice has prevailed. Come out, my people, be separate, for I am releasing a cycle of judgment that will blow the door down. To say that this is God's wrath in Revelation 16 when he finally pours out the the seven vials of the wrath of God, This is God moving as he has throughout the history of the world against nations and against his own people, Israel. There comes times in the economy of God that God says, I'm going to move now swiftly against this evil, and he does. And then, of course, the enemy takes over from there. And I suspect that this great judgment against the United States that's about to happen, the enemy is going to take over. The great tribulation is going to come. The powers of darkness are going to rule for three and a half years. I believe this is what God is saying to us. I finalized that word by, by this thought. Nahum was a prophet who prophesied the destruction of Nineveh, the Assyrians, about 100 years after Jonah went to Nineveh. While Jonah's message was restrained because of the kindness and compassion of God, after he saw the people repent and turn from their evil devices, Nahum's message was fulfilled and Nineveh was destroyed. We see in Isaiah chapter 10 that God used Assyria as the rod of his indignation to chastise his people because of the sins that have overflowed the cup in America, both the rod and the wrath of mighty storms and violence shall weaken the nation and it shall finally collapse. I wrote that message August 28, 2006. I'll just show it to you. That was August 28, 2006. And six. Since that time, the cycle of judgments that has come upon our nation 
think about it. We just went through two years of a global lockdown. We saw rioting. We saw mobs rule. We have seen so many things from school. I mean, we can go on down the list. Where do you want to start? The cycle of judgments on our nation to turn us back to God was intended. It's been ignored. There will come a day when 7 to 15 nuclear weapons or dirty bombs will be detonated. Washington, D.C. will be decapitated. A new form of government will try and attempt to come to power, supposedly. But this nation will go dark. It is going to get hit by a software or a cronial mass ejection or electromagnetic pulse somewhere, somewhere along the line. At any moment, this is coming. God is going to put his sword in the hand of a slayer. Is that Vladimir Putin? Is that Russia? We know now that there's a lot of hypocrisy coming out of the Ukrainian war. The demonization of Russia by the Khazarian mafia. We're learning a lot, aren't we? But regardless of what is all going on in that arena, God has revealed that these shall surely come. Why do we say that? Because we have to be ready. I wrote this message. A nation poised and ready, titled, Woe to the Arrogant Nation. Woe to the arrogant nation. A nation stands poised and ready, not knowing that its hour has come. I am outraged at those who are outraged at the outrageous behavior of those whose rebellion and sin runs deep. The arrogant within the nation are those who have taken their post and have pointed the finger at those most evil and wicked, but have lightly dealt with their sins or the sin of their own hearts. These are the conservatives, moderates, and republicans that slam the Democrats, the liberals, and those so named. Yes, the outrage is right. For the outrageous behavior is an abomination to me, but those who are outraged are just as guilty as those who are evil indeed. There was one tree in the midst of the garden that was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Clearly, all the fruit of that tree brought condemnation, death, and destruction. The good is just as guilty before me as the evil. For I have said that there is none good, no, not one, that is righteous. The deception is in the good, for they are self-deceived because they judge themselves by the standard of evil. If a good man sees an evil man, he sees himself as better because the evil man is, is usually unacceptable in society. The good, the optimistic, the self-righteous, Condemning and pointing the finger, now I will point my finger at those who deem themselves as good, yet disobey my word, engage in sexual impurity with the world, are lustful, seducing, proud, arrogant, full of vanity. I tell you that their good deeds are as filthy rags before me. You who call yourselves good are as filthy rags and are most deceived 
have not seen through the of your great and desperate need for salvation. You see yourselves as guys. In the eyes of the world, watch you, hail you as heroes. Yet you pervert justice. You spew out cleanness from your lips. You violate the conscience of true righteousness and exalt those who are proud as yourselves. The greatest deception, however, is not only in those who are supposedly good, but those who call themselves Christians, who believe that those who are deceived are good. Many have turned away from the true prophetic voices in this generation and have looked to the newscasters, television talk show hosts, and other Babylonian medicines. The doctrines of devils are being poured forth like water, and many of my people are drinking up the flood and will be swept away in the coming days. I hate your arrogance, your optimism, for it is not rooted in relationship with me, but in your own self-confidence and your trust in the arm of flesh. I hate your opium mindset, and be assured that your optimism and opiate attitude will be crushed and dashed to the ground in a moment. I call this nation, America, to attention. For I've spoken in time past, and now I will speak again. While your eyes were looking in the wrong direction, a snare has been set within the nation. A national calamity is about to strike, and few there be that know it. I wrote here that Friday, January 6, 2006, a trap was laid in the floor of the nation. Blindness and darkness has descended upon the multitudes, and the blind will lead the blind into a ditch. There is nowhere to run. There is nowhere to hide. Only in me will there be a peace and safety. The world, as you know it, is about to take another change. And from this time forth, even until the end, you will slip down the slippery slope of total collapse and ruin. And you see that happening all these years, the, the, the continual slide into apostasy. Why? Because you did not choose the fear of the Lord. As I said to my prophet Ezekiel, do not weep at the death of your spouse. So now I say to all, do not weep when those closest to you die. For many will see the reward of the wicked with their eyes, even the wicked that dwell among you and those who are closest to you. The wicked have chosen their eternal fate and have rejected the message of my love, mercy, and truth. So now they must receive the wages of their wickedness, even my wrath and indignation. Thousands of pages of prophecies, both very balanced, of the things that God is doing in the kingdom and good on the behalf of those that love him, and this message of judgment. So, why are we reading these things? A Russian foreign minister, this is yesterday's headline news, World War III will be nuclear. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, warned Wednesday that a third world war would be nuclear and destructive amid his country's invasion of Ukraine. He said, and I quote, 
The third world war will be nuclear and destructive. President Biden is an experienced man and has previously stated that the only alternative to war are sanctions. Lavrov said in an interview with Al Jazeera's Arabic channel without elaborating, according to Gazeta, other Russian media, and Reuters. Lavrov also alleged that Russia would be in real danger if Ukraine ever acquired nuclear weapons. There is no evidence that Ukraine was attempting to acquire nuclear weapons from the West, and Ukraine gave up its nukes in the early 1990s following the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Earlier this week, and we read about that, how they went in, the congressmen took the MERVs from Ukrainian, uh, and they went missing or sold on the, on the black market that are planted in this country, according to the article we've been reading. Earlier this week, the specter of nuclear war was raised when Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered his country's strategic deterrence forces, which operate some of Russia's nuclear arsenal, to be on heightened state of alert. Some analysts remarked that the order was meant to intimidate the United States and NATO so as they don't get involved in the Ukraine conflict. Russia, like the United States, possesses thousands of nuclear weapons. But both countries over the years have stressed that nuclear war would lead to the annihilation of both sides, or the military doctrine known as mutually assured destruction. Earlier this week, Biden was asked whether Americans should be worried about nuclear war. Biden responded, no, because he's so intelligent. We are assessing President Putin's directive. And at this time, we see no reason to change our own alert levels. White House Press Secretary Jan Psaki told reporters on Monday, adding that the United States will not attempt to escalate the rhetoric after Putin's comments in order. We think provocative rhetoric like this regarding nuclear weapons is dangerous, adds to the risk of miscalculation, should be avoided, and we will not indulge in it, she added. On Thursday afternoon, local time, Russia claimed its forces captured the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson reported Reuters. However, Alexei Arestovich, an advisor to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's office, said that the city has not fallen. Our side continues to defend amid ongoing fighting, highlighting the opposing claims of military victories on both sides of the conflict. Ukraine State Emergency Service told the Associated Press on Wednesday that at least 2,000 civilians have been killed so far, although the number cannot be independently verified. And Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city, with a population of about 1.5 million, came under heavy fire again Wednesday. At the same time, satellites from Maxar, a huge convoy of Russian tanks and other vehicles spanning miles outside Kiev. National Atomic Energy Agency, the United States Nuclear Watchdog, said Russia had told the agency that its military had taken control around Ukraine's largest nuclear power plant, but operations there were continuing normally. World War III, a nuclear war. Warnings about this from Dmitry Dudeman in the 1980s, the 1990s, that the United States of America will be nuked by foreign countries, Russia most likely the slayer in whom the hand of nuclear weapons will be deployed. So what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? I have so many 
articles here. They get wearisome sometimes. I want, but I'm focused on one thing that's been this morning. How righteous men and women of God, the truly righteous, not the self-righteous, truly righteous people, are going to experience a moment of relief for God's justice being served on this country. I know there's a battle of thought as to whether or not God loves America, God is for America, America is great. America is divided, and it's divided because of judgment. And a house divided cannot stand. America is going to collapse. America is going to war. America is going to suffer. As a matter of fact, some of the suffering has already begun. Some, let me just give you this a little bit more of this one article here. It says that the Ukraine conflict could further break down our food and energy supply chain. If you believe that your life will continue on as a normal or as normal because the war between Russia and Ukraine is on the other side of the globe, you should think again. We were already facing the worst energy crisis since the 1970s before the war broke out. And Russia is one of the most important energy producers on the entire globe. I just want to interject a thought that just came into my mind. Um, Yesterday, it was confirmed that that massive cargo ship carrying over 4,000 vehicles on it that was set on fire a few weeks ago uh, in the ocean, it was on its way to America, by the way, Uh, the Porsche and the uh, Maseratis and these really high-end vehicles. Is there a symbolic meaning when 4,000 vehicles in a supply chain crisis are on a cargo ship, it sets, gets set on fire in the middle of the Atlantic, and the, and the ship sinks, destroying all 4,000 cars. They never made it to the shores of America. You think there's something symbolic about that? Revelation 18 is a very telling story. But let me continue on with this. We really are facing a horrifying breakdown. Oh, let me, let me start a little bit earlier. As energy markets are thrown into further turmoil, energy prices will go to unprecedented heights. And as I have documented repeatedly in recent months, the global food crisis has just continued to get worse as global food supplies have continued to get tighter and tighter. Normally, Russia and Ukraine export vast quantities of food to the rest of the world, but the war is going to change that. We really are facing a horrifying breakdown of our food and energy systems, and that is going to affect every man, woman, and child on the entire planet. Let's start by taking a look at the impact that this war will have on food supplies. Even the Washington Post is admitting that the war in Ukraine will likely push U.S. food prices even higher. Russia's invasion of Ukraine could push U.S. food prices even higher as the region is one of the world's largest producers of wheat and some vegetable oils. And the disruptions could drag on for months or even years as crop production in the area could be halted and take a long time to restart. 
let me share a thought that, again, I'm thinking. Obviously, we were reading about the Khazarian Mafia, how the Rothschilds and the banksters, they love war. And how, because they make a lot of money on war. And they fund both sides of the war, the conflict. And they normally, you know, the, the side they want to win, they give extra to, right? Uh, it failed in the Revolutionary War. We, we saw that. And this is why the vow to destroy the United States of America by the Khazarian Mafia and Russia, because they don't like Russia. This is part of the story we're learning about, history we haven't heard before. Uh, some of us heard a little bit, but we're getting it. Um, they may be attempting to manipulate what's happening right now in the smoke and mirrors of the theater of war, the global stage being set, and they're doing their acting. But God oftentimes, again, puts thoughts into their heart to fulfill his will. They think they're doing it. Just like Isaiah chapter 10, the Assyrian said in his heart, look what I have done. And yet God said, you fool. You only did what I put in your heart to do because I needed you to do what I needed to get done. What I'm saying is that what appears that is a managed and controlled crisis can get out of hand like that. And something could happen that nobody's expecting because God is putting into the thoughts and into the hearts of whoever he chooses to fulfill his word. And when God says, I'm coming to judge this nation, when God says it, I don't care who the actors are. However, I will say this. I do believe by the Spirit of the Lord that God has said, just as Mystery Babylon has moved and morphed and disguised itself that we talked about yesterday, she wears masks, she takes on other descriptions, other identities, she changes locations. I believe that the changing of location the changing of identity is underway. It's been underway for decades. The Khazarian mafia that's about to get exposed, they have to go underground and remove and go somewhere else. They're not going to mind destroying Washington, D.C. at all, and they're not going to mind destroying the cities of America at all. That was their intended purpose. They've already considered where their global headquarters is going to be, and they're getting ready to exit, but they're going to burn the house down before they leave or as they're leaving or after they have left, whatever the case is. I really believe God said that's going to happen. Time will tell. So the Khazarian mafia that's been established and situated here, now it's getting out. they got to go again. And Mystery Babylon will do that. She will do that. She'll morph into some other name and some other place, some other identity, but will carry out the same mission until the very end of her destruction, which will come in Revelation 17 and 18. And it will end forever. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? Um, famine, food shortages, high prices, gasoline, a collapsing economy, the breaking of the systems, it's all biblical. Get ready. And remember that while all this is happening, God is at work in your life. Jesus loves you. The grace of God is working in you, in your soul. You're not afraid. 
In fact, you say, yes, Lord, I will not shed a tear. I will be relieved at your divine justice upon these hypocrites and upon this nation that has done to the people of this earth and of this country the most hypocritical evil that could ever been known. And they deserve it, Lord. In fact, in the book of Revelation 16, when the wrath of God is being poured out on Mystery Babylon and the beast, one of the angels pauses and said, Lord, you have every right to do this. True and just are your ways. Righteous are you. This is right. Even an angel, as destruction is coming upon the world system, as it will in the end of the end of time, they say it's right, Lord. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the prophets and the holy apostles will rejoice at the destruction of Babylon. It says it in the book. We're not sorrowing over God's justice upon evil. And yet we know that this judgment that's coming on America is just that, like it was on Israel, like it was on Babylon, like it was on Egypt, like it was on Assyria, like it was on Rome. This is just another time of God dealing with his people in a Judeo-Christian nation saying this is it. And he's going to judge it, break it, it's going to collapse, and then it's going to be morphed into the global one-world government of the Antichrist. And then this thing will be replayed out for a period of time, and then the end will come. I believe that. So in other words, the U.S. is about to get whooped, and it's going to collapse. And we're going to be living in a dark North American continent. And nuclear fallout of whatever sort it may be, and, you know, this is my take on it. It's what I believe God has revealed. And however people are going to survive this moment, I believe that in this North American continent, there are Goshen's. There are places where you could grow your own vegetables. There are places you can grow your own food, places you can have your own water. I think this country is going to be in chaos. It's going to be Katrina times a thousand. There's going to be refugees going to and fro throughout this nation. There's going to be cities of destruction that you will not be able to inhabit. I think it's going to get worse than anybody's ever dreamed. But the Lord has spoken it. But don't forget, be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, working out your salvation, not fearing anything but the Lord. And you're going to be okay. Make sure that everything's right today. So if something were to happen and you happen to stand before the Lord today, you could answer well. We all need to make sure we could answer well. Because life is a vapor. And what is life. It is a vapor. It is here today. It is gone tomorrow. But we will be assured that when we're gone out of this physical realm, we will give an account before the Lord and what we have done with our lives. And if we're carrying things that we know are wrong and we're holding on to them and not dealing with them, we are going to be judged. That is not healthy. What is wrong in my life that I know is wrong, but I like, so I'm not really dealing with it as effectively and as aggressively as I really need to by employing the cross of Jesus Christ to slay it. You better be super careful about these things. Your salvation has to be real. My salvation has to be real. Are there truckers? Is there a convoy going to D.C.? Is that going to show up tomorrow? They're showing up Saturday? What is that going to produce? This is more turmoil. More turmoil. Wars, rumors of wars, famines, plague, pestilence, commotions, riots, mobs, everything Jesus Christ said would be happening is happening globally, all over the world at the same time. 
the only place that you're going to find true peace and rest is in Jesus Christ. Being in the right place with other minded believers, I'm telling you the truth. Not living in fear, but living in the fear of the Lord, enjoying the presence of God. The new inflation shock comes at a time when global markets remain extremely strained because of pandemic-related disruptions. And this article just goes on and on and on. And it's warning us of everything we've warned for years and years and years and years. And I'm done for now. Okay, I'm going to just go to the chat room and to the phone lines. And I see that there are hands that are being raised already. Praise the Lord. Let me first of all say good morning to our friends on chat. Uh, Cindy Messman was with us this morning. God bless you, Cindy. Appreciate you so much, you and Mark. Uh, Megan Cotton is with us this morning. Good morning to you. Lola Jarman, sorry I'm late. Good morning, number 624. The Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you so much for that, Lola. Shirley Woolsley is with us this morning. And God bless you in Texas, you and Mike. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Uh, World of Nobody, God reveals all secrets. Today, Russian ambassador to the UN said that Trump was the legitimately elected president and was overthrown. I totally agree with that. Donald Trump was the president and he was overthrown by a coup. They might shut us off YouTube. Sorry, guys, but that's the fact. Um, Cindy says the time is near. World of Nobody, remember two calves, prophecy. 2014, one with perfect seven, other with rag seven, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. September 2021 was the end of the seven year of plenty. Very well said. Sebastian Zwolinski, good morning and shalom. And good morning to you, Sebastian. Good to see you. Finally able to get you on YouTube. All right. Pastor Jeff Bass is with us today. So I'm hearing that we were cutting out. I'm hearing all these different things. I'm sorry. I don't know why that would be happening. But if you have a question or comment you'd like to call into the broadcast, I'm going to put on my headphones right now. We've got about, ooh, not much time left. Let's take our first call coming out of area code 605. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, Brother Vincent, uh, as you were ministering the Word of God today, I opened my Bible to Psalms uh, 37, and it came to me. It's It was a word for you, and uh, when you get done with the broadcast later, you might want to read that, uh, Psalms 37, starting at verse 22, 26 especially, and uh, it's real encouragement that what God is doing through you with these broadcasts and your ministry there, that it is definitely a time to take heed. And then the other thing, I I got this booklet years ago from Dimitri Duderman's ministry, and it has to do with the future of Israel. And he had a dream in June 17, 18th of 1996. And he was personally there with his two grandsons and another couple. And I, if you've got a minute, I'll just read one little part to you. Sure, sure. Okay. In this dream... He said the five of us, that was his two grandsons and this other couple, they were uh, on the Sea of Galilee in Israel, and we were looking around. We noticed how nice and warm it was, a good place for a vacation. Suddenly, I heard a voice from the left side. It said, you didn't come just for this. Look at me. I looked and saw a man in white, shining clothing. Tears were running down his cheeks. 
Who are you? And why are you crying? I asked. He said, I am Jesus Christ, and I am looking over my blood relatives and my people for whom I gave my life. Their sins have put a wall between God and themselves. Decided to bring back all of the scattered people from the nations instead of thanking God for watching over them and giving them safe passage they have become even more wicked than they were in the nations they left I am crying because of the tribulation that is to overcome them they say they keep the Sabbath but they don't they say that they keep my laws but they do not all the nations of the world have their eyes on this place thinking that this is this place is holy They come to seek holiness and see an example in this. This place is not holy, but has become defiled. Because of this, God has decided to take peace from this country. They do not trust in the peace God provides, but peace to make their own peace. God can no longer stand their sins because of their wickedness. Look and see how punishment will come upon Israel. And then it proceeds to say what the punishment will be like. Do you want me to go on? Well, we're actually uh, at the end. Can you save that for tomorrow? And we could pick this up tomorrow morning. Yes. Okay, we'll do that, Kathy. Uh, I've got seconds left before I need to get rolling here. So thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Israel is now in the crosshairs, according to that prophetic word. All right, very good. We have to run. I'm going to say goodbye for now. God bless you, and thank you. We'll pick that up tomorrow morning. That is amazing. We'll see you then. I've got to go. Shalom, everybody. God bless. Have a super blessed day. And remember, what God is doing on the inside of you is the primary work and function. God bless.